I don't know if you've ever spent much time looking at the big stained glass window at the front of our church building. Actually, I realise that there may well be a number of us at this gathering today who, who have connected in with St Paul's during this last strange 10 months, and you might not have ever actually been into our building. So for your benefit, and for those of us who may have forgotten, St Paul's Shadwell has a beautiful glass depiction of the transfiguration of Jesus, uh, which is the reading that we're going to be looking at together today. Now, our glass window was created in 1964 by the renowned artist John Hayward, and you can see Jesus there depicted in all his glory with an inscription above his head that says, this is my beloved son, hear him. And to his left, Moses is there and he's, he's holding the stone tablets of the law and, uh, and he's got horns, you know, but that's a whole other story. We're not going to go there today. Uh, and then on his right, there's the prophet Elijah who is shown holding the scroll. And this is one of those remarkable moments in Jesus's life on earth when heaven breaks through and the disciples who were present and, and we too are given an awesome glimpse of what's coming, a glimpse of Jesus, the Christ, God's son, risen and majestic, transfigured in glory. He's there for a moment and then he's gone. Now, I remember a couple of years ago, I was preaching and in my sermon, I referenced this window and I pointed to it and, uh, and on a nice sunny Sunday morning, this was great. But when it came to our evening service, I remember making my point and saying something like, here's Jesus. And of course, by then it was dark outside and all the beauty of the glass could no longer be seen. Yeah, I think life and faith can feel a little bit like that. You know, there are those times when, when all the colour of life is just streaming through and it's easy to see and acknowledge the goodness of God. It's easy to celebrate together and to give thanks. But there are also those times, you know, perhaps week six of lockdown three after a cold and wet week indoors, when it just seems dark outside. And it feels harder to see Jesus. Well, I want to encourage you today. Light has come and light is coming. And even when it's dark outside, know that Jesus is still there. Just like that stained glass was always there. Jesus is there when you see him and when you don't. He is there. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. 
Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So this is the central point in Mark's gospel. Uh, And really it's the climax of the first half of the narrative of Jesus's ministry uh, when Jesus is revealed as divine. And actually this episode in Mark uh, actually begins a a few paragraphs earlier in chapter 8 when Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And Peter incredibly full of revelation declares for the first time well you are the Christ the Messiah you're the sent one Peter recognizes Jesus and and for a moment he sees him clearly But, but of course if you know that story then you know that it doesn't take long for Peter to put his foot in his mouth and totally miss the point and uh, and he soon finds himself on the end of one of the strongest rebukes that we ever hear from Jesus. But then in chapter 9 we read that Jesus leads Peter and James and John up a high mountain and there he's transfigured before them. It's an amazing passage full of important and vivid imagery. Dazzling clothes, Moses, Elijah, a cloud, a, a voice. It's wonderfully mysterious. So Jesus is is transfigured, which is to say he is literally transformed. He's changed before their eyes. Uh, And first we read that Jesus' clothes become dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. It's a great bit of detail, isn't it? It sounds to us a little bit like a kind of a washing powder advert. But for the original recipients of Mark's gospel, well, this was very much the language of of Jewish literature of the time. And and it's how they would have described angels and heavenly beings. Mark is inviting us to see beyond Jesus's mortal form, this, this dusty, mountain-climbing rabbi uh, and suddenly as the light of heaven breaks through the the breathtaking beautiful dazzling glory of heavenly king Jesus God's risen son is revealed and then there's Moses and and Elijah Uh, and of course these guys are dead right (laughs) you know for hundreds of years But interestingly, both Moses and Elijah, well, they were known in in Jewish tradition for having mysterious ends to their lives. With with Moses, the the story goes that he was buried 
somewhere in the land of Moab. Uh, but in Deuteronomy 34, we're, we're told that no one really knows where. Uh, it's a mystery. And actually, so many people then went on to say, well, perhaps God himself buried Moses. This is the legend. And then in two Kings, we read the dramatic final chapter of Elijah's story as he's taken up to heaven in a whirlwind with chariots and horses of fire. Yeah, so both Moses and Elijah, well, they kind of pointed towards a life beyond, beyond what we see around us. They pointed to the end of days, to, to something more, to God's everlasting kingdom. Yeah, and of course, they also clearly represent the law and the prophets, the very foundations of the Hebrew faith. And I wonder if it's this image of the transfiguration and of Moses and Elijah being present that was, that was in the mind of the writer to the Hebrews when he later wrote, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The son is the radiance of God's glory. And then he goes on to say, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Here for the Hebrews, this was a big deal. So we've got Jesus dazzling here in his heavenly body. And then there's Moses and Elijah, both representing all that had been and also pointing to all that is to come. And then there's the great cloud, which we recognize throughout the Old Testament stories as the vehicle for the very presence of God. And it surrounds, it envelops them. And then from it comes a loud voice echoing the affirmation that was spoken over Jesus at his baptism. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Yeah, in this remarkable moment, Peter and James and John glimpse the true nature of Jesus. God's beloved son who had stepped out of heaven and come to earth, both to fulfill and to supersede all that had gone before. It is a dramatic message of transformation that everything they knew about God was changing, that all the religious and the legalistic ways of the past that had been used to relate to God would be different in the light of Jesus. And no longer would they live under a system of, of law and of sacrifice, of striving desperately and working their way back into a relationship with God. Everything was changing and a time was coming when they could simply approach Jesus's heavenly throne of grace with confidence and receive mercy and find grace and help. In their times of need. Yeah, this was God's promise in Jesus to Peter and to James and to John. And it is his promise today to you and to me. That in Jesus, 
help is at hand. Now, of course, Peter and the others had no idea what was going on. They would eventually get it. But right now, they were basically just terrified. Uh, once again, Peter says something silly. And, uh, and then having witnessed this incredible sight, uh, we read in verse 8 that suddenly Moses and Elijah and the cloud and the, and the voice were gone. They no longer saw anyone except for Jesus. And this takes me back to our stained glass window, which depending on how bright things are outside can look so very different. We are living in extraordinarily challenging times and it really is tough to make sense of what we see. Often life can be confusing and scary And like Peter, we can lose sight of who Jesus is, even after moments of seeing things really clearly. But I want to encourage you today to keep going back to Jesus. Keep looking at and looking through Jesus. And rather than allowing the circumstances and the storms of this world to colour our picture of Jesus, let's look out and allow our picture of Jesus to colour how we see the world. Ultimately, for Peter and for James and for John and the rest of the disciples, it was this revelation of God's Son, the heavenly King Jesus, risen and glorious And the help and the hope and the grace and the love that they found in him that would go on to sustain them in the years to come. Sustain them through through many troubles, through many storms, through sickness and imprisonment, and even through death. Yeah, this is more than just an invitation to see the world through rose-tinted glasses. Through Jesus, we we see the world as it truly is, a world that is broken and needs saving, but we see it through the Saviour, Jesus, who is always there and who always cares, to whom we can always turn and in whom we can always find help. Jesus, who opened the way for us to receive now a grace that is everlasting. So may you lift your eyes today and fix your gaze on Jesus. And through him, may you see yourself and this world that he loves. Amen.